what is Pastor doing wearing some fishing gear? What, what's, what's happening here? Are we going fishing? I am going fishing today. I'm, uh, I'm on assignment this morning. I'm on task this morning. Let me tell you what I'm getting at. I believe that what God has given me today is a net that I'm casting out. And it's not to hype you up. It's not to pump you up. It's not to excite you and, and massage your feelings. It's to point you to the truth in God's word that you might discover the goodness of God and know what God has for you. Amen? Come on, anybody interested in that? Yeah. Listen, we've been in a series the last couple of weeks entitled Travel Light. Travel Light. And what we've been learning is that life is a lot like a journey. You know, for some of us, we cannot really identify with that because you, we like to travel. And when you travel, when you try to disconnect and get away from those things, when you try to go on vacation, you try to get some relaxation, right? You try to recreate. What we do is the oddest thing. We pack up. And we don't just pack up. Listen, we overpack. We overpack to the extent that we take things that we don't need. I mean, for crying out loud, how many sandals do you need, ladies? <laughs> I'm not going to knock you, ladies, gentlemen. You, we, we're just as guilty. We pack up things we don't need just in case something happens. And you know what it does is it complicates things. And it makes life heavy when we do that with life. But it's not in the external where it impacts us. Listen, it's, it's, it's a weight that develops in the soul. It's the mind, the will, and emotions. It's that place that limits what God has done on the inside through Christ from manifesting on the outside. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Listen to what Jesus says about this. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, come to me. Thank you, sir. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What does he want to give us? Say that with me. Rest. But watch where he wants to give us rest. We look for rest and relief in our circumstances. We look for rest and relief in what's going on on the outside. We look for rest and relief in the things that are impacting us externally. But life is lived from the inside out. And so Jesus goes on to say this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest. Where? For your souls. See, God wants to touch the inside. And here we are looking for God in the superficial on the outside. And so he goes on to say, for my yoke is easy. My coupling to you, when you, when you join yourself to me, when you allow me to lead you, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is what? It is light. It is light. Now, I recognize that for some of us, the words of Jesus here create tension. They create tension because they sound too good to be true. Come on, pastor. You mean to tell me that this notion that we can actually live life without growing weary and being burdened is possible? It seems like a fantasy. For some of us, it's improbable. For some of us, we've made up our minds that it is absolutely unachievable. And I would agree with you in that regard, if not for one thing. See, we have to consider who actually said this. It's not your neighbor, it's not your friend, it's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not the people that you've put all your trust in and they've let you down. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is not my opinion. This is Jesus. Jesus says, if you come to me, 
If you put your trust in me, if you follow me, if you put yourself in a position in life where you can learn from me, he says, you will find rest, watch this, in your souls. See, the, the external things, they come and they go. But what we take on the inside, what we come to believe, what we carry is baggage, what we hold on to that limits us, that stops us, it's that place that many of us, we, we neglect it. And Jesus says, I want to bring healing to your soul, to your soul. And so, isn't it interesting how much simpler life was when we were kids? You remember those days? Come on now. You remember those days when you were a lot younger, right? Times like this, you would go outside, and what would we do? We'd turn on the, the pump, right? Grab your mom's can. You'd dump out her coffee, cut out both sides, right? And start spraying it. And if you were smart, like some of us, what we tried to do is make a little money while we were at it. Hey, I washed your car. With water, no soap, just water, right? And we pass a rag just to make it look good, right? But life was a lot simpler, is my point, when we were younger. Why? Because, yeah, we had chores, and yeah, you had school, and maybe there was some other stuff, but we didn't have to deal with the bills. We didn't have to deal with the worries. We didn't have to deal with the cares. We didn't have to carry those weights. Why? Because we put our trust in someone else to do it. Now, track with me here. Track with where I'm trying to get you to see. See, the issue for us in life isn't that we can't live free of burdens. That's not the issue. The issue is that for some of us, we have not put our trust in that someone who we can totally depend upon, who we can totally trust in, who we can totally be confident in, and that's Jesus. Listen closely. Every single person that has crossed your path and mine at some point has let you down. Isn't it true? You know why? Because we're people. We fail. We fail each other. But there is one who can confidently say, if you come to me and you come with me on this journey, I'll give you rest. I'll show you life that is light. I don't know about you, but I think it's about high time that we begin to live life uncomplicated. Would you agree? Come on, and, come on and thank God for that, that there is a solution in life for that. See, you, whether you're here or you're online, if you are a child of God, you have Jesus. You've found the one that you can completely depend upon. You've found the one that you can be fully confident. You've found the one that you can trust because he's trustworthy. I mean, for crying out loud, how many times haven't you looked backward and said, God, you were there. I didn't see it then, but God, I thank you that you brought me through that then. God, I thank you that I'm still standing today. God, I thank you that I'm not done. See, hindsight is always 2020. But you see, for God, foresight is always 2020 because he knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. Plans to lead you into good things. Plans to give you an abundant life. And so today I'd like to talk to you on a topic that I feel God wants to convey to us. He wants to drop in our heart. It's this issue of faith like a child faith like a child. You know, life gets heavy when we complicate faith. Life gets heavy when we complicate faith. You know, Jesus referring to the Pharisees who were super religious people, 
super religious, he referred to them and he said, woe to you Pharisees because you, you put all these weights and all these burdens on these people to do all these things, but you yourself don't do it. See, that's just a fancy way of identifying religion. But relationship with Jesus, according to the words of Jesus himself, lead us to a life that is light. And when we complicate this matter of faith, relationship with Jesus gets heavy. Life gets heavy. See, faith is not as complicated as we understand it and make it out to be. Faith is living with complete dependence, confidence, and trust in Jesus. Listen, if it worked when you didn't understand the world, you put your trust in your parents, if you lived light, then what makes you think that you can't live light for the rest of your life when you have the one that will never leave you, will never forsake you, is always with you to the end of the age, and when you are unfaithful, he still remains faithful. Come on and give God some praise. And I get it, for some of us, maybe, you know, you feel like you're not there yet, but let me give you some good news, my friend. You have no reason to beat yourself up. You don't. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the scripture says. God's not mad at you. If anything, God is giving you a lifeline today. He's saying, hey, let me catch your heart. Let me take you deeper. Let me show you better, a better life. And so one day, Jesus had spent a full day ministering to the needs of many people. And contrary to pop popular belief amongst super religious people, Jesus needed a break too. He was God Almighty, but he was God subjected to the form of a flesh. And so this body gets tired. How many of you know that? Yes. So it had been a long day. He'd been ministering to people, teaching them, healing them, you know, doing great things. And he says to the disciples, hey, let's go over that way. And so he gets into a boat with the intention of getting to a place of seclusion, to rest. And they get into this boat and they go across this sea that the Bible identifies as the Sea of Tiberias. And they cross over the Sea of Tiberias and they get to the other side. And what ends up happening is this. The people that he had just left somehow beat him to the other side. Let me tell you something. When you are seeking God and you are pursuing after what God has for you, nothing can stop you from meeting him where he's going. And so these people, masses amount of people, thousands upon thousands of people, they meet him on the other side. And Jesus, the scripture tells us, looks upon the crowds. And the scripture says that he had compassion upon them. And then it goes on to say something very interesting. He healed all those who were sick among them. Those who had yet not received their breakthrough, he heals them. And so the disciples, they look upon the crowds, all these thousands of people afterwards, and they say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, why don't you send them away? I mean, after all, they're hungry. Give them a break. Let them go find something to eat. It's getting late. This is a deserted place. And I love the response of Jesus. You got to keep in mind, this is Jesus speaking to men who have experience with fish. These are men who, when they were trying to catch something, look at the Gospels for yourself. Every time they were fishing and Jesus showed up, they never caught nothing on their own. That tells us something about life. That tells us a lot about our own story when we try to do it for Jesus. And Jesus would always tell them, do it this way and watch it multiply. 
And so he's speaking within that same frame, that same context to these men who have experience with his great power and work. And he says to them in Matthew 14, starting at verse 16, they don't need to go away. These people don't need to go away. Why? Because you can give them something to eat. There's no need for them to go anywhere else. Amen. I have everything they need right here. Amen. Now, I want you to see something here. That Jesus is about to do something amazing, but he doesn't want to do it alone. He's saying, I'm going to do it through you. They don't need to go anywhere. You're going to give them something to eat. You would think that at that moment, there would be this great faith that would rise up in these men. But watch what verse 17 says. It says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. How many bread? Five. How many fish? Two. Okay, you guys, we need to spike the coffee. Let's try this again. How many bread? Five. How many fish? Two. Okay, now, right, five pieces of bread, two fish. And they say, we only have, this is all we have. We don't have anything else. And he says to them, bring them to me here. Bring them here. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men. Listen to this. Besides women and children. So you're really talking about more between 15 and 20,000 people. Maybe more. And at face value, it would appear from this text that Jesus did a great miracle on his own. That he multiplied it on his own. But let me remind you that he put it into the hands of men. And through the hands of these men, he multiplied the kingdom of God unto people. God has not stopped working that way. Now, I want to point out something just a little Bible geek fact that it's important for us to really appreciate the full value of what we're talking about here today. The book of Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew, in case you didn't know, right? It's a, it's a letter, but Matthew's context for writing this gospel was from the vantage point of writing it to Jewish people to assert this one thing. Jesus is actually the promised Messiah. He is the king promised to us from heaven. He's the one. And so with that in mind, it makes sense because in the book of Matthew, you'll find that Matthew identifies Jesus over nine times as the son of David. He's actually saying this is the Messiah. Over 50 times, he goes on to declare that Jesus is the king and that he has a kingdom of heaven. So that's his context. So it makes sense then that Matthew would miss an important detail because he's trying to assert this is the Messiah. Track with me. Listen to what I'm saying. In the book of John, which was written a whole generation later, the Apostle John is writing to a people that had risen up in the churches that were known as agnostics. These people believed that there was a Jesus. They had heard of something, but they didn't believe that he was the Messiah, and they didn't believe that he had died and rose again. And so John's context is, this is Jesus, and it's from the vantage point of one who was closest to him and loved Jesus. His point was to convey the great love of Jesus. And so watch this. In John chapter 6, verse 9, there's an important detail that Matthew doesn't give us. 
It says that when, they, when Jesus said, what do we have? Uh, one of the, the uh, disciples says to him, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two what? Small fish. Small fish, little fish. And he says this, but how far will they go among so many? That's an important detail. Why? Because it tells us that while these great men of faith were with Jesus, these guys who had experience baptizing people, these guys who had been authorized and seen great miracles work through their hands, these guys who had walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, seen the power of God right there manifest before them, these guys who were experienced, they're saying, how is this possible? And in the midst of that, there's a little boy. A little boy who is among a crowd of people who all left the other side and came this way, people who need healing, people who are hungry, people who are tired, people who are seeking the kingdom of God, people who are looking to get past religion and actually find a relationship with God. That's the context. That's the crowd that this kid is in. He's one of them. And this little kid who has five loaves and two fish hears that Jesus is saying, bring it here. Let's do something with it. And he says, what I have is enough. What I have is enough. Five loaves, two fish. This is fresh fish. And so what we see is that prior to this moment, Jesus had already resolved that he was going to meet the needs of these people. And so we can conclude that the, the challenge here wasn't the need. The challenge here was the faith of the disciples. Let me ask you a question for personal reflection. How are you doing in this area of faith in Jesus? How are you faring in this area of faith in God? Do you, are you like the disciples who say, hey, we have something, but it's not enough. As if the power of God depends on what comes from our hands. Or, or are you like this little boy who says, all that I have is enough because God takes little things and makes them big. Yes. See, there was pure faith there. Faith like a child. I, I was watching these kids, man, and, and it just brings me to tears. Because it's a pure faith. It's an unadulterated faith. It's a faith that is uncontaminated it's a faith that just loves Jesus. Listen, these kids weren't singing songs this morning. These kids were making a place where the word of God is fulfilled, where it says God inhabits the praise of his people. These children worshiped. They led us. They gave us an example. I wonder why is it, why is it that there are too many of us that what we do is we stand in the crowd. We spectate, we're comfortable with being on the fringes. And Jesus is saying, come here and give me that faith of yours and let me show you great things. Mark chapter 6 gives us a very important detail that we should all reflect upon here. And it's this. It would appear that this kid had little. But Mark chapter 6, and we're not going to turn there, tells us another important detail. It says that the disciples respond to Jesus when he says to them, you feed them. 
that Mark 6 says that they said to him, are we to spend a half year's wages to feed them? What does that tell us? Here's what that tells us. They had it. They had it. Jesus, you actually mean we're supposed to use the resources from the ministry? You actually mean we're supposed to touch that? Jesus says, feed them. So they had it. But while they had what was necessary to feed the people from an external vantage point, the one who really had it was the boy. Why? Because he had faith. He had faith. His confidence wasn't in the, the, the amount of his resources. His confidence was the same Jesus that did it back then is the one that will do it again. Amen. If he could raise the dead, if he could heal the sick, if he could meet needs, if he could teach in such a way that God is simple and practical, practical and relatable and believable and true in my life. If that Jesus can do that, then that Jesus can also do this right now. Somebody needs to hear this. The same Jesus that saved you is the same one that's trying to raise you right now. See, this little boy had complete faith in Jesus, a faith that depended upon Jesus, that trusted in Jesus, that placed confidence that what he had was enough in God's hands. And as a result, Jesus had something to work with. May I submit this to you, my friend? When we operated, when we operate with a double mind, there is a curse word that exists amongst Christians. Would you, would, would you truly allow me to be transparent and go there? Would you allow me to be a little bit vulgar for a moment, just for shock value? Just to, just to really get your attention? There is a word that is completely vulgar amongst Christians. It's the word Let me tell you what I mean. Jesus, you said bring the fish, but what is this among us? It is a curse word. Dream killer. It is a faith destroyer. It will rob you of every good and perfect gift that God has laid up for you. See, faith in Jesus will always make life easier and give you better results. You might go, yeah, well, I don't know about that. Well, tell me about what you do know. Tell me about what you do trust in. Tell me about what you are relying upon. Tell me how that's working for you. Question, does it always lead you to better places? Does it truly fill you? If it did, then guess what? You wouldn't have to continue chasing it. Somebody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. I feel better because it got really heavy in this room for a moment. It got really heavy. And so I want to propose to you just some things for personal reflection and application that we, could, we should consider. Listen, here's what I know to be true. God is already speaking to you. God is already speaking to your heart. God is already revealing to you some things. Because I'm nobody here. 
What matters here is the truth in God's word. And I know this to be true, that wherever there is faith, wherever there is a heart that is open to God, there is a powerful move of God that will transform a life. I'm telling you right now, faith like a child works. It's not that complicated. So the first thing I want to give you for personal consideration is this. Don't confuse childlike thinking with childlike faith. Don't confuse childlike thinking, childlike thinking with childlike faith. What are you talking about? Based on the history that the disciples have with Jesus, you think that they were mature believers. I mean, we've already talked about it. These guys did great things. They saw amazing things. I, they left everything to follow Jesus. But what we actually see is that it was the boy who was mature in faith. It was the boy. See, maturity has nothing to do with what we've seen, what we've done, what we've heard. Maturity, a faith, a faith that is mature, is a love for Jesus that leads us to trust in him unequivocally. Amen. There is no but in between you and Jesus. There's no excuse. There's no doubt, no fear. I mean, it may come, but it doesn't become the crush upon which you try to carry through in life. And so, this boy did not have the maturity resume that the disciples had. He hadn't raised anyone from the dead. He hadn't done anything amazing. He hadn't baptized anyone. This guy didn't have a title. He wasn't recognized as a prophet or a great man of God. No, this kid had two fish and five pieces of bread. But here's what wasn't on his resume that nobody else, that everybody else had, but it wasn't working for them. On his resume was this simple thing. Jesus said he's going to feed people, and I have something that can be a part of that. I want in on that. Let me ask you a question. What promises do the Bible give you that you look upon with longing but you're not taking a step of faith towards? Here's Jesus' response. Come. Come. Let me show you. Come, let me show you. Let me show you. See, what seemed impossible to the disciples in the realm of the natural became possible because someone had matured beyond sight. The Bible tells us this, that we walk by faith, not by sight. The word walk there doesn't refer to a stroll. It's actually a way of life that it's talking about. It's a manner of life. It's a journey for the long haul. Childlike faith doesn't demand explanations, but it knows that everything will be okay. You know why? Because daddy's here. Daddy's here. I dare say this. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe, just maybe, there's someone here. Maybe you're joining us online. And you call out to God as God, but you don't know him as daddy. 
daddy's here. I dare say this to someone, you're going to be okay. You're doing better than you think. You're stronger than you know. You're not done. And whatever you've gone through wasn't at the hands of God. God is not a child abuser. The scripture tells us clearly that God tempts no man. No man. God does not use pain to teach you something good. Well, what about the Old Testament? Different covenant. Under the new covenant, after Christ, the scripture says that he became accursed for us upon the tree. He took every curse, every sickness, every hurt, every pain, so that we don't have to carry it. See, now what we have is a choice. And for some of us, the reason why we're traveling so heavy is because we choose to pick it up. We choose to believe lies about ourselves. Here we are beating ourselves up, accusing ourselves. Don't you realize that you are partnering with an enemy? The scripture says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. You're not hearing your voice. You're hearing a lie in disguise. Listen to what Jesus says about childlike faith. Luke 18, starting at verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Let me translate that for you. Get that kid out of here. They don't belong here. He's too busy. How dare you bring that little snot-nosed kid over here? Sneezing and coughing and crying and complaining. Listen to what he says. It says, But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. Listen to this. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Listen to what Jesus is saying. They simply want to come to me. Those are the ones that I want. Those are the ones I want. The Bible says, blessed are those who thirst, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Don't give up. Hold on. See, a mature faith focuses on what one can get from God. But mature faith focuses on Jesus and what he wants to do. He says, just come. Come. Your track history don't intimidate me. Your issues don't change my mind about you. Your hang-ups and your hurts don't, don't move me. They don't scare me. No, you come. But when you come, just make sure of this, that you don't come with your baggage saying, Jesus, I need you to take this. Jesus, I need you to do that. Jesus, I need you to deal with that. Because here's what he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Nowhere in that equation does it say, give it to me. What he says is, come, let me give you rest in its place. In its place. In its place. You don't have to carry this junk anymore. We don't. We don't need it. Which leads me to a next point. Great faith is not a, a destination. 
It's a journey. It's a journey. Now, I know I look like I fish. I can tell you I can't fish a lick. <laughs> I'm not that guy. My son, I don't know where he gets this stuff from. He's a weirdo. Right? <laughs> Grew up in the city, comes up here, and all of a sudden, he's like the great outdoorsman. Right? He fishes. He's into all the hiking. He doesn't do strolls. He does 12-mile hikes. Right? And I'm dumb enough to go on them and end up with blisters on my feet. But you know, one thing that my son tells me about fishing is this. I said, Josh, how could, you, how could you be there for hours? Hours just fishing. And you know what he says to me? It's not about the moment of catching a fish. It's about the whole experience. You know, faith is not a moment. Faith is an experience. It's a journey. It's a journey. Too many times we, we, try to, we believe that faith is for the moment of my need. And faith is not for the moment of your need. Faith is for the journey of your life. It's for the journey of life. Check this out. Some of you know that and the last year, I ended up in the hospital, unexpected. 45 years old, I thought I was as strong as an ox. I ended up in the hospital fighting for my life. Struggling, literally. It looked bad, real bad. And I had many moments where I believed that this is it. But by the grace of God, here I am. Now, thank you. Now listen to this. I left that, that, that situation, that experience, and they told me your lungs will never be the same. You're not going to be able to do some of the basic things that people can do at your age. You're going to need all these contraptions and all this machinery and all these pumps and all these things. And I remember when I heard the doctor tell me that, I said, that will not be me. Jesus Christ paid too high a price for me to live that low. So, I said, I'm going to do the very thing that they say I'm not, I can't do. I'm going to expand these lungs. I'm going to work these lungs. They told me, don't get on a treadmill. Don't, don't you dare go for long walks. Don't you try to run. Don't you try to exert yourself. Don't start lifting things above 10 pounds because you may break a sweat and you may just die because you can't breathe. And I said, that's not going to be me. So I remember picking up the phone and calling my friend because I made a decision that day. I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. So that's my goal for 2024. Don't get too excited yet. I've done a 5K. I'm going to do a 10K. Next year, I plan to do two half marathons. 2024, I'm going to do the full marathon, right? I'm working my way into this. But, but here, here where I'm coming from with this. I picked up the phone, and I called a friend of mine, a guy named Brian, and this guy's like a triathlete. This, this guy's like my hero, right? He runs marathons, and then after he runs the 26.2 miles, then he swims for another 30 miles, and then after he swims another 30 miles, then he jumps on a bike and does another 50 miles. And I'm like, dude, you're nuts. It's crazy. Like, why would you do that? But it does something for him. 
And here's what I love about this. I called Brian and I said, Brian, here's what I just went through. How do I prepare for a marathon? How do I do this? And Brian says to me, Jose, I'm going to give you the secret to running a marathon, to training for one. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And he says to me, here's how you train for a marathon. Put one foot in front of the other. Just one foot. Now, I'll tell you why I share that with you. The scripture says that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. Now, if you know anything about a lamp, a lamp can only give you but so much distance that you can see. But here's how faith works. When you take one step of faith, oh, I see a little bit more. You take another step of faith, oh, I can see a little bit more. You take another step of faith, oh, okay, oh, I get it. Yeah, that's how this works. Oh, oh, I didn't know this opportunity was going to be here. Oh, I didn't know that I can be healed of that. Oh, I didn't know that I could be stronger than what I've ever been. Oh, I didn't know that I have a right to be full of faith and not be weak. I didn't know that I don't have to be a victim anymore. The moment you begin to walk by faith as a journey, you begin to discover new places. You begin to rise to new situations and opportunities. You begin to discover the full blessing of God. Come on, somebody, and get up and take a step of faith. Now, lest you believe that I'm just trying to pump you up, let me show you this from Scripture. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul says, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This is what I need to walk this out in my life. He says, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in the righteousness of God, listen, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, watch this, from faith to faith. You know what that's telling us? That faith is exactly what it says in the next part. It's a walk. He says, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let me tell you, how walking with God works. It's one step of faith to another step of faith. From that point of faith to another point of faith. This little boy, let me remind you, was on the other side of the Sea of Tiberias. He saw great things because the scripture gives us evidence of that. But that wasn't enough for him. He said, I got to go to the other side because that's where God works. See, that's what faith calls us to, a next step of faith. What's stopping you right now from going where God has told you you're called to go? What's stopping you from stepping out and starting that new career? What's stopping you from giving that marriage another go? What's stopping you from forgiving? What's stopping you from trusting that you can succeed even though you've fallen six or seven times? The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. What's stopping you? Let me submit to you this, my friend. You still want to live in this experience of faith, but you don't want to go from this faith to the next point of faith. Walk out the journey of faith. And you will discover great things. Let me tell you, you may not be where you want to be in this journey of faith, but I can assure you this, you're not where you used to be. That's how faith works. Keep going. Keep going. 
The last point I want to leave you with here is a simple one. The degree to which you use your faith determines the degree to which it works. The degree to which you use your faith determines the degree to which it works. In my hand, I have a bottle of water. It's Fiji water. It's fancy. I bet you it doesn't even come from Fiji. But it sounds cool. But in this bottle of water, there's 16.9 fluid ounces of water. 16.9 fluid ounces of water. So if I, put, I give you this bottle of water, how many ounces of water do you have? How much water would you say you have? 16.9 fluid ounces, that's right. And sir, if I gave you this bottle of water, how many ounces of water would you say you have? 16.9 fluid ounces, right? Still the same. And if I gave you this bottle of water, how many fluid ounces of water would you say you have? 16.9 fluid ounces of water, right? It doesn't change. For some of us, we look at faith as if it diminishes like if you have one level and I have another level and we're all operating on different levels of faith. Like we all have different portions of faith. Let me read to you something from scripture because I want you to see something about faith and how it works. Romans 12, 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Watch what sober judgment looks like. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you, now, at face value, that sounds like, well, each of us has a portion of faith. That is true. But in the Greek, here's what it actually says. It says, for God has given each of us the measure of faith. What does that mean? I'm holding 6.9 fluid ounces of faith. But you have 16.9 fluid ounces of faith too. The issue isn't the amount of faith that we have. The issue is how much we use. How much faith will you employ for your life? Faith doesn't depend upon God to work. It's given by God, but it depends on us to trust what he says and for us to take a step of faith to see it work. That makes sense? So I want you to do something with me. Let's stand here today as we close. And I want you to consider something. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. Every single thing that you need, you have it to succeed. You have everything that you need to make it. To go to a next level. To experience the full blessing of God. To heal. To open through new doors of opportunity. You have everything you need. Because you have the faith that God has given you. The scripture tells us this, that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. The question is, will you dare to use your faith? If that's you and you say, you know what, enough is enough, I'm using my faith, the full capacity. Come on and raise your hands unto heaven. Come on and declare that to God right now. Come on, don't be, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto your salvation to give you all that you need to open new doors for you. There have been some of you that you've been waiting, you've been crying, you've been lamenting, you've been saying, when is my time going to come? Your time has always been there. But now from this point forward, use your faith and step out and watch God do great things in you and through you.
Father, we come to you today as your children. We acknowledge Daddy is here. Daddy is here. And Daddy, we know that you are completely faithful, completely reliable, completely dependable. There is no error in you. There is no fault in you. There is no lack in your hands. And so today, Lord, we take our faith, we take our lives, and we place them in your hands because we know that in your hands we are enough. And I pray, Lord, a release of multiplication into each and every life here. Your life will never be the same. Never be the same. Never. Never. When you put your trust in Jesus, never the same. Never again. Believe that. Receive that. Stop looking backwards. Stop looking at how much you have. What limits you place upon yourself. You are enough. You are enough. Thank you, Lord, that you paid a high price Thank you. for us. Thank you, Lord, that our value is not determined by what we say and what we see. It's determined by the eternal precious blood of Jesus that has washed us and made us clean and made us whole. And today, Lord, we put confidence in you. We trust you. We thank you. We thank you. I know that today, here in this house, or maybe you're online, there's someone among us, man, and you, you've heard about God. Maybe you, you attempted to have a relationship with God, but it, it left you with a sour taste in your mouth. Maybe you want nothing to do with God. Maybe you don't believe at all. You have questions. But I'm telling you that the very one that you are unaware of is the very one that has always maintained an awareness of you. There's no mistake that you're hearing about how great you are in his eyes, how much he loves you. There's no mistake that you're seeing that he's saying, come to me. That you, There's a pulling upon your heart. Today is the day where you, like a little boy with great faith, step out and you say, I'm giving you all. And I thank you that you multiply it from this day forward. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and today is the day that you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, because I know you have a new life for me. Go ahead and raise your hand in this house. Come on. Don't be ashamed of that. Raise your hand nice, nice and high. Reach out to heaven. It's a sign of surrender. It's a position of victory because now you're fully capable to receive all that God has for you. My friend, God loves you so much that he looked past your imperfections because he paid the price for it. He removed the stain of sin so you don't owe him anything. So that you can rise again to a new life like he rose from the grave. Today, dead things are coming to life. Today, ashes are, are, are beginning to turn into beauty in your life. Today, there is a, a day of release. If you believe that today and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you paid the price for my sin and you rose again so that I could rise too. Today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, 
I thank you for a new life. I thank you for my healing. I thank you that I can travel life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.